Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Let's open up our our Bibles and uh, go right over to 2 Corinthians. We've been talking about the glory of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4, Paul talks about the glory. It's the presence of God. We've been talking about the presence of God. That's part of our mission statement. That's why we're here is to be a church of his presence. Uh, specifically, we've been, we've been talking about the glory of God. And I'll explain a little bit of that in a minute. So when you get there, stand to your feet. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in honor of God's word. Uh, I always read out of the New King James, but you follow along with me in your translation and, and uh, read with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start at verse 7. He's talking about the glory of the Old Testament uh, versus the glory of the New Testament. Verse 7 says, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, that's the Ten Commandments, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Now jump down to verse 14. But their minds, or you can say hearts, were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains. I'm sorry, let's back up to verse 13. 13, I'm sorry. Verse 13, he says, Unlike Moses, who had to put a veil or a cover over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds or their hearts were blinded. For even until this day, the same veil or cover remains unlifted in the reading of the word of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away only in Christ. It's taken away in Christ. But even to this day when Moses is read... Now, when Paul wrote this, he didn't have a New Testament. He was the New Testament. So we can also say, as the Bible is being read, even to this day, there's a veil that lies on the heart of some people. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Did you hear me? When one willfully turns to the Lord, I can't do that for you. The veil is lifted and taken off of your heart. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Come on, somebody. You might have seen that on the Detroit building downtown, the Spirit of Detroit. Amen. That's what we all are about. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, if you've taken the veil off, he's talking about you. We are beholden as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Everybody say transformed. That's the key difference. Into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to talk to you today about from glory to glory. Father, thank you for your word that you have preserved over all these years for us to look into today and to gain insight, instruction, and understanding. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open up the eyes of our hearts Open up the eyes of our understanding, Lord. Anoint 
my mind, let the thoughts of my mind and the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. Give us an anointing to hear and understand what you would say. For you desire fellowship with us all and you desire us to grow in the glory and not just stay at one level, but to go from glory to glory to glory. Lord, let us see that today and let us be transformed a little bit more today into the image of Christ. We pray that all, and if you agree with that, say in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you're first time joining us today or you missed last week, uh, just briefly recap. We've been talking about the glory of the presence of God. Uh, We know God is everywhere all the time. We also have God in us. That's the inner presence. But we've been talking about the manifested presence of God, which is called the glory. So this is what I mean when I say glory. The glory is the visible presence of God. That's what I mean when we say glory. It's the visible presence of God. You can see the presence of God. You can see the glory of God on people. And uh, you ever meet somebody and not know them, but you just feel like, man, that person has just got something about them. Then you later find out they're a believer. What you saw was the glory of God on them. And we can grow in the glory of God. Some have a little glory. Some are like Moses where he's got to put a veil on because everywhere he goes that shines. We are called by God to arise and shine as a people, not just river of life, but a follower of Christ. We are all called to arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has come upon us. We should walk into a room and people notice something different about us. We are, we are called to make a difference and to make a change. How do we do that when the glory of the Lord is upon our life? And we can grow in that glory. The more we behold Jesus, whatever you behold, you become. Come on, somebody. I'm already preaching. Whatever you are beholden, you become. I can talk with anybody for five minutes and find out what your passion is. I can find out exactly what really gets you going. We all have things that we like, but the number one thing that ought to really get us going, if we are followers of God, is the presence of God, is God himself. Amen? Everything else should fall secondary. Jesus said, seek first. Someone say, seek first. The kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So we seek first the kingdom of God. And so the glory comes upon us and we walk in that. We walk in darkness and it it causes us to stand out. So we talked all about that in really in a lot of depth last week. The word kabod is also the Hebrew kabod. It's the Hebrew word, which means heavy or weighty in a good sense. It means to be overwhelmed with goodness. How many would love to be overwhelmed with goodness? It's weighty. It's it's weighty. That's why whenever you would read about Daniel or John in Revelation, whenever they were in the presence of an angel, they fell as dead men. Jesus in the garden, when he turned and said, I am he, they fell to the ground. Why? It was the glory that makes us feel weighty. That's why you fall when you're in the presence of God or you're in your prayer time. You just feel a good heaviness and it just comes upon you. That's the glory in the presence of God. He doesn't always do that, but he can do that. It's the manifest presence of God. You can see the glory of God on people. You can also see the glory of God in, the, on, in places. Uh, and this is what really is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament Paul begins in verse 7 and 8 in this chapter comparing the glory of the Old Testament and he's wanting to move us into the glory of the New Testament. Therefore, glory to glory. So the glory in the Old Testament in verse 7 and 8, he talked about how it was, it was not as good as the glory in the New Testament. Why? This is why. 
is because the glory in the New Testament is about coming from the inside out. And the glory on the Old Testament was about the outside in. Everything in the Old Testament was about the exterior. But how many know God has always been about the interior? God said to David that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the what? Inward appearance. He's always about the inward appearance. Let me give you this illustration. I hate washing dishes. I just would, I would rather do anything uh, in the house than dishes. I would love the vacuum. I don't, I don't mind getting the vacuum, uh, but I hate washing dishes. Thank God for the dishwasher, the best invention ever. Uh, but I hate washing dishes because uh, I got to thinking about this. You know, my first five jobs was being a dishwasher. I washed dishes at McDonald's. Hardest job I've ever had in my life is McDonald's. You work fast food during lunch, brother. We'll see how much glory you got in you, in Jesus' name. Um, so uh, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Subway, worked at them all. Loved all of them. Hallelujah. And uh, always washing dishes. Your hands get all pruney and, and just slippery and smelly back there. And you got to, I just hated it. And then I got a job um, at a, at a uh, restaurant. My first restaurant job was at the Sweden House in Allen Park on Southfield. Best meatballs around. How many know remember what I'm talking about? Amen. So me and my, uh, my boy Kevin, uh, best friend from uh, kindergarten, me and him worked there together. That had some perks, though, because we'd go out to the buffet, eat those sweetest meatballs, get a whole plate of them and walk back in, and, or, or go get some of that uh, warm peach cobbler, put that vanilla ice cream on there. Come on, somebody. Amen. Uh, but they had, had a machine there that would, you'd just put the, the cups in the machine and run them through the dishwasher there. And then I really moved up scale to washing dishes, become a professional, and I worked at The Forge. It uh, was a little upper-class steakhouse in Taylor. And uh, they had a machine that would wash not only the cups, but it would wash the dishes, all the dishes, the, the cups and, and the bowls and the plates. But here's the point. Every now and then, even though the dirty dishes would go through the dishwasher, you would find a cup, it was usually a cup, that you would lift up, and it was clean on the outside, but the inside of the cup was still filled with all kinds of nastiness. I mean, it was even warm. It was so clean on the outside, you could just see that thing. It went through the same process as all the other dishes. Nothing's wrong with the process. It had the same amount of detergent and, and sprayers and nothing was malfunctioning in the process. But it was all about how it wasn't able to get to the inside of the cup and make that cup clean. That's exactly what Moses is doing in this chapter in verse 7 and 8. He says, as beautiful as the glory was in the Old Testament, it could only be on the outside and it couldn't get transformation on the inside of our heart. That's why it faded. That's why it wasn't what God said. I didn't want to stay with this kind of procedure and process all the time. I wanted to do something. God has always wanted not just a visitation, but a habitation. Come on, somebody. He's not wanting to just show up and have a great service, and then we go home, and we go back to our old lives, and we go back to doing whatever it is. God is always wanting to be with his people inside and out. Jesus talked about this and he rebuked the Pharisees because the Pharisees were all about exterior. 
And Jesus said in Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish, and the outside of them may be clean also. See, the glory on the Old Testament wouldn't transform us into the image of Christ. And that's what the glory was mainly, mainly for. Then he begins to talk about Moses. Now let's talk about Moses for a minute and talk about the glory. I've been studying the glory for years, and I'm not an expert on it. Uh, it's very intriguing, very interested to me. I'm, I'm, and, and I study it for a while, and then God seems to move me on to something else. But here, man, just studying this again. And you, if you want to know about the glory and the presence of God, you want to study Moses. Moses was a glory man. He experienced the glory of God more than anybody else in the Bible. It was Moses. He was interested in the glory ever since he first saw the glory appear in the burning bush. And when we look at the old glory... I would say the glory in the Old Testament, we can learn a couple of things, and that's what I'm going to give you today. The first thing we can learn when we look into Moses and the old glory, or the glory that manifested in the Old Testament, or one aspect of the glory, because some folks still think it's all about this, it's about the outside. I want you to write this down. God's glory sustains life and produces miracles. This is what we learn from Moses in the Old Testament, when the glory is first revealed, is that God's glory is sustains life. It's the sustainer of life and produces miracles. We see this when the burning bush appeared to Moses. And this is why I say Moses is a glory man, because ever since he heard about the glory, and ever since he, he learned about the glory, he began to say, man, I got to go and I want to know more about this. I wish right now this message, these messages, what I'm praying is really stirring our hearts to want to seek God even more and be like Moses. And Moses could have just said, oh, it's just a bush on fire and walked on. But no, he said, I wanted to see it. See, the bush was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. So the bush was fine inside the fire. He saw the flame, but the bush was still, it was fine. Why? Because the glory sustains life. It doesn't damage life. The glory sustains life. If the glory of the Lord would come and manifest in that kind of way in this room right now, all of us, as I said before, all, all diseases would leave the room. All fears and anxieties would leave the room. It would flush right out as God's presence would come right into this room. That's why the Bible says Adam and Eve heard God walking in, in the cool of the day. Ezekiel heard God. Moses heard God. Because if you study the glory of God, he has an entourage of people when he would walk. And uh, when Ezekiel saw him, he said the ground that he walked in was like sapphire. It was like emerald green. It was jewels and colors that he's never seen before. There's angels in heaven that have six wings, two wings to cover their feet, two wings to fly. And he is so holy and bright that even though an angelic being perfect as it is has to have two wings cover its eyes because it's unworthy to see the glory that is upon our God that you serve that's the God we serve 
And instead of going and exploring heaven and the, and the spiritual realm, they love, there's something about the glory that these angels stay there right now 24-7. They're there right now doing nothing else but say, glory, 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 holy, holy, holy to him who was and is and is to come. They're around his throne right now. Amen. Give him glory for that. Hallelujah. That's, that's the kind of God we serve. But it's an atmosphere. The glory of God is also an atmosphere. It's a place. It's a sustainer of life. David wrote about it. How did he know? It's because he had the Holy Spirit who wrote uh, Psalm 143. He says, for the glory of your name, O Lord, what? Preserves my life. This is why when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, God led them out with a manifestation of his glory. It was a cloud by day, and at night, it was a pillar of fire. You can look at some of these pictures that people have drawn and, and painted and to capture this, and it's just beautiful. I've always been interested in that. I used to have a big picture of it in the tabernacle with the fire. I'm sure you've seen it. It's just amazing. It's an amazing sight to behold. And the Israelites had that firsthand for Almost 40 years today messed it up, and I'll show you how they, that happened. But while they were in the glory, remember, he's a sustainer of life. The glory sustains life, and miracles happen in that atmosphere. You will find that the children of Israel never got sick. Their shoes and their clothes didn't wear out. There wasn't a feeble one among them. Look at the scriptures. Nehemiah tells us for 40 years, he says, you what? You sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. Imagine that. Walking in the hot desert sun all them time. They didn't have those Adidas. They didn't have no Crocs with new soles. They didn't have any of their comfy clothes. They had old sandals, barefoot, hot sun. But God had a cloud, a manifestation of his glory. They gave him shade from the sun. But it was a supernatural atmosphere, so where their clothes would not even wear out. Their feet would not even swell. How many would love the glory to just come into this place right now in Jesus' name? It's a sustainer of life. Psalms 105 tells us that when he brought his people out of Egypt, he brought them out with silver and gold. A lot of people in our culture, they, they chase after silver and gold. Let me tell you, as Christians, don't chase after, after silver and gold. Chase after the glory. If you chase after the glory, you'll get the silver and gold. Come on, somebody. People kill themselves searching for silver and gold. And you can kill yourself for that. But God says, seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus said that he knows the needs that you have. Do you know the bills that you have right now? I don't want to get your mind depressed right now. But those bills that got to be paid, how many know God of heaven, that beautiful, glorious God, he knows about those bills that you got to pay. He's not going, oh my gosh, I didn't know they hiked that electric bill up. 11% in this bill. I mean, it went up. We know our bills and everything's going up. God's not in heaven saying, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? He's got streets made out of gold. Let me just remind you, the Bible says, this, God says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. And by the way, I own the hills. I can help you pay your bills. I can help you make a way financially when you, there seems to be no way. Fret not, worry not. Hallelujah. Children of Israel were slaves. They didn't have anything, but they had the glory of God. And when the glory of God came upon them, people gave them silver and gold. They were walking through the wilderness with all of this silver and gold. That's how they ended up building the Ark of the Covenant. And the furniture was so overlaid in gold, that's where they got it from, was from Egypt. The favor of God. But he also says in this verse, what? That there was not anyone sick 
or feeble among them. It's the glory of God sustains life. The glory of God is just an atmosphere for where miracles happen. When Moses, when it comes time for Moses to die, the Bible says that he wasn't even sick in Deuteronomy. It says he was 120 years old when he died. And his eyes were not dim, nor was his natural strength weakened. He's 120 years old. He was a glory man. He lived in the glory for so long. He would meet with God. God's presence would manifest in a, in a cloud again over the t- his little place. He pitched a tent outside of the camp where him and God would just meet. And the glory of God would manifest. And every time the glory would come down over that tent, the Bible says uh, the, they would see that and they would all come to the tent, to the doors of their tent and just watch and worship God as Moses was meeting with God. He would speak to God face to face like a friend speaks to a friend. No other person in the Bible did that. Not even Paul the apostle, but Moses did. He was in the glory of God. And he would talk with God and he would spend so much time in the glory of God. The Bible says he didn't realize it, but his face would shine. Let me tell you something. When you and I spend that much time with God, when we really shift our priorities around and make him the number one thing in our life, you may not even see it, but others will begin to see the glory of God upon your life. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Yeah, give him praise for that. Amen. He didn't even know it. He's like, what? I'm just the same old person. They were like, no, no, no. You look different. One of the first things someone told me, I remember, was we weren't even saved that long. And uh, I got to minister at a soup kitchen in the city I grew up. And one of my friends heard I was there and ran down there in that morning. And, and uh, for him to be up at 9 o'clock, we know God really did something in this guy's life. He was, he's, uh, he come in there, the first thing he said, he just was staring at me. And I said, what's still Hi from last night. What's going on, you know? And he goes, you even look different. I said, it's the glory of God, man. The glory of God will change. Our, it's all about changing, uh, changing us. But the glory of God. But Moses was in the glory so much that his physical strength did not even become weak. But it come time for him to die. The assignment was over for him. And Joshua was coming up. But God said, you're not even sick. God had to speak to him and have him die. It says in Deuteronomy, like he said, his strength was, uh, was not even weakened. He had to just say, it's time for you to go, Moses. It's time for you to come up here. And the Bible says God buried Moses himself in a place that no one knew. But he had so much of the glory that he was 120 years old and could have played three-on-three basketball here yesterday. Just, just strong. His eyes, no glasses. He didn't need contacts. He didn't need any medicines. His body was just as strong as he was when he was 20 years old. Come on, somebody. That's the glory of God. It sustains life. I mentioned this last week, but let me show you the verse. In the New Testament, we find this again, confirmation. In Luke chapter 9, the Bible says that Jesus, and I told you last week, there is a difference between the anointing and the glory. Jesus is the anointed one. But when you work under the anointing, the anointing is to work under. We work under the anointing. The anointing helps us do what God's called us to do even better. If you're called to sing, if you're called to to be a a business mind and you're an entrepreneur, that's a God-given gift. You get anointed. You get the anointing of God on that gift and you'll be able to do it even better and exceedingly. Everything you touch will begin to just grow. If you're a a iron worker, if you're a construction worker, there were people that God anointed to, to build the tabernacle. It's the anointing that allows us to do this. You can be a lecturer. That's what separates a lecturer 
and a boring speaker from a preacher or someone that can, that can speak to your spirit. It's the anointing that does that. But when you're done operating in the anointing, you're tired. The anointing don't sustain life. Jesus was weary. He sat down at the well before, when he met the woman at the well. He was tired. He, he had to take breaks. He had, the Bible says in Mark, he made his disciples come away and have rest. Why? Because he's in a body and he was tired. But Moses was able to fast for 80 days. How? It's impossible to go 80 days without food or drink. But he was able to do it. Why? He was in the glory. He was in the glory. Jesus was the anointed one. He walked in the anointing. He would walk in and he'd cast out devils. He'd heal people. That was the anointing. But in this one time, he brought three of his 12, only three. Why? Because Jesus had an inner circle. Then he had crowds, he had people that came, but then he had his 12, and within that 12, he had the three. I don't know about you, but I want to be in that inner circle with Jesus. And he brought Peter, James, and John with him on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. And it says here, it came to pass that as he went up to what? To pray. Watch this. As he prayed. That's how you get into the glory. What did Paul say? As you behold him, as you spend time with him, as you are pushing the plate and fasting because you're seeking him, as you pray and as you are getting into that, that place with God, what happens? The appearance of his face began to change and his robe became white and glistening. Mark tells us that it was more white than any launderer could ever get it. It, was, it just glistened and glowed. His face, his appearance began to change. Look what happened. And behold, two men appeared and talked with him who, who were who? Moses and Elijah who appeared in the glory. And they spoke of his decease, which he was about to come. He was getting ready to go to the cross. And so Moses and Elijah appear. Now, why did Moses and Elijah appear? Well, you go to Bible school and stuff. They teach you that uh, Moses and Elijah appear because Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. That's good. I get it. Yeah. But if you look at it again through the narrative of the glory, it says that they appeared in glory. And he mentions glory three times. In fact, it says that the glory moved over them and Peter began to get tired and his eyes become heavy, heavy, cabaled, the glory. It don't make sense that he wanted to take a nap. Let me just ask you, if Jesus brought you up on a mountain and he's talking to you, and then all of a sudden Moses and Elijah appear in front of you, would you say, that's cool, but I got to take a nap? No, it was not nap time. What was happening? The glory of the Lord appeared and Peter began to just get heavy with sleep. And the Bible says that then he when he was able to awaken, shake himself and stand there, he felt so good that he was like, Lord, let us build these tabernacles so you could stay, for he did not even know what to say. But why did Moses and Elijah appear? Well, this is why, because Moses is what? I just showed you, he's the glory man. Why did Elijah appear? Because Elijah, remember, is the only person besides Enoch who never died. He's never experienced death. He was taken up in a whirlwind of fire into heaven. Why? He was sustained in the glory of God. So that's why Moses 
And Elijah appeared to Jesus and was like, Jesus, you're getting ready to go through, and I'm going to tell you the benefits of what he went through next week and why that plays a role so much into our lives. But both of them appeared and said, said Jesus, don't worry. The glory's going to go with you. And Elijah said, Jesus, I've been up here for over 1,500 years, and man, look at me. You're going to be okay, Jesus. You just got to make it through. You're getting ready to go to a Roman cross. You're getting ready to be flogged. Your back's going to be ripped. They're going to mock you. They're going to spit in your face. And these people who you created are going to pluck your beard out and make fun of you and lie on you in front of you. But don't forget about the glory, Jesus. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And that's why the Bible says, for the, for the joy that was set before him. And you may say, well, I don't have that appear to me and help me go through what I go through. You're going to face a Roman crucifixion? <laughs> but that's why they appear to him, because they were the glory. So the glory of God is a sustainer of life, and it produces miracles. We also learn this, is what hinders the glory. Sin hinders the glory. Write this down. Sin destroys life and hinders the glory. This is what we also learn from the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. But we see it in the Old Testament from Adam to us today. Adam was, him and the Bible says him and Eve were naked and did not even know it. They were just innocent like my grandson. You could strip him down butt naked and he could just look at you and smile. He does not even care. You better hurry up because he will let you know he's naked in a real quick moment. And you better put that diaper on him, amen. Adam and Eve were grown adults, the age of accountability, somewhere between 20 and 25. That's what the Bible teaches about Jewish tradition and all of that. I don't know how old they were, but they, they were naked, but they were clothed, the Bible says. What were they clothed in? The glory of God. And when Adam and Eve sinned, it was like, it was like just, a, just something that went over the entire earth. You could just see Hollywood does such a great job with some of these movies. I would love for Christians to be represented. Man, uh, if you have a desire to get into film and into that, man, go. We need you into that. And just glorify God with that. Because, uh, man, there's so many of us that are visual and we kind of look at that and stuff. Uh, but if you read the Bible, it's an amazing thing what happened all through the Bible from cover to cover. But when Adam and Eve sinned, just that glory begin to just fade and lift. The Bible even says in Romans that the world, the creation, even groans. You talk about, people talk about global warming and they talk about how the planet is deteriorating. Well, that's exactly what the Bible teaches from day one, ever since the fall. Scientists will even tell you that nature is just totally different and going on. And yeah, man, you know, there may be some other things that we can help that along the way. But I'm telling you, in the spiritual sense, we've been in global warming since the sin of Adam and Eve. That's Bible. The whole earth in Romans 1, Paul says, groan and moan for the sons of God to be revealed in his glory. They groan for the return of Jesus and to redeem even the earth. All of that happened in the natural sense, but it also happened even greatly more so in the natural sense. Sin just causes the glory. It destroys life. Sin destroys life. This is why the children of Israel would walk under the cloud of glory. They would walk and live in that cloud, although their clothes wouldn't wear out, their feet wouldn't swell, their hearts were still filled with murmuring and complaining. 
and sin, and sexual sin. And 1 Corinthians 10, Paul tells us while Moses was up on the mountain, Aaron was supposed to go with him, but Aaron stayed down around the people. Joshua wanted to go, but he couldn't. So Joshua, a young man, stayed at the foot of the mountain because he wanted God. But Moses was all in the glory of God. The people said, man, I don't want the presence of God. I don't even know what's taking Moses so long. Moses has taken Moses forever to return. So let's build us a golden calf and begin to worship. They're under the glory. They've been healthy. Their clothes hasn't been wearing out. God's been blessing them, but their heart was corrupt. The inside of the cup was filthy, although they're walking through the process all the time. That's why Paul says that glory was fading away. And God wants us to experience a better glory in the new covenant. Oof. So they gathered and they had him to uh, make the golden calf and they begin to worship him. But sin... It destroy it, it, it hinders the glory. Have you ever heard this verse? I have. We've memorized it in Sunday school, but look at it in the narrative of glory. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of what? Of the glory. We always focus on the first part of that verse. See, we all have sinned, and we all have sinned. That's why we're walking not, that's why we're not walking in the glory of God. That's because, they, because we sin. Sin causes us to fall short of the glory of God. And we all have sin. We've all, we've all done that. In the Old Testament, you also read a story in 1 Samuel of when the children of Israel had all in the, they finally made it into the promised land. They had the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God. And the Philistines, they kept sinning. They kept living their own life. God kept telling them, Stop. This is how I want you to live. This is what I want you to do. And they wouldn't do it. They kept doing their own thing. So God lifted his hand and the glory began to leave and depart from Israel. The Philistines came in, stole the ark, and one of the priest's wife, one of the pastor's wife, one of the main problems was that bunch right there. They were coming to church, but yet they were, they were so in the inside filled with all kinds of nastiness and just, just speaking all kind of causing all kinds of problems. Their husbands, Hophni and Phinehas, would would uh, would ex- do extortion, and people would bring their money to exchange it. They would charge them double, and they would bring an offering in, and they would steal the. They would take the the sirloin and the best parts of the meat for themselves, for their wives, and for their family. And this was going on every single day in the temple of God. And God told Eli, the priest, he says, you better put your foot down and tell your sons and those women, those people there, to quit running their mouths, to quit living like that. And the Bible says Eli wouldn't say anything. He let his family just go. He just let, his, he let everything begin to go. And finally God said to little Samuel, who was a little kid, he said, Samuel, remember that whole thing when he woke up and thought Eli was calling him and kept telling him to go back to go to sleep? And finally, Eli said, that's God, son. Listen to what God says. And God says to Samuel, I've told Eli to get his house in order because my glory demands respect. My glory demands honor. And he has not respected me. He has not given me honor. He keeps living his own life. And I give grace. But like Revelation says, that there is a cup of God's grace, grace and his wrath. And when that gets full to a certain point, he says, okay, that's enough. And he said, Samuel, I'm going to pull it out from, I'm, I'm going to take my glory. And I'm going to take the kingdom away from Israel, from Eli, but I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to raise you up because you, you are like Moses. 
You, you, you love me for who I am, and, 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 and you love my presence, and you are the real deal. And I'm going to use you to bring in a whole new revival. You're going to be a prophet and a king. You're going to be a judge and a prophet. No one's going to be like you. And so while all of that was happening, the day came when the judgment came, and God's glory began to depart. And one of the wives who was having a child... She gave birth to a son while all this was happening. Both her sons died. Eli heard the news, and the Bible says he was a heavy man, and he was old, and he fell off of his bench, and he broke his neck, and he died. And all of that happened in one day, and she named that child Ichabod, for the glory has departed. Do not name your child Ichabod, please. (laughs) What am I saying? I'm saying the sin, sin hinders the glory of God. It hinders the glory. And God has always wanted to be with us. He's always wanted a people that he can be with and have the glory and have have the inside of the cup. He just don't want the outside of the cup. That's why Jesus was so hard on the Pharisees. He says, you guys are like them in the Old Testament. You pray these prayers in public real loud. But at home, you don't even mention my name. You don't read my words. You don't honor me. And it's all on the exterior. And God said, you don't have my glory. That's why Jesus was so mean at them. He was nice to tax collectors and and sinners. He would sit down with people that was in sin, and he would love on them. Why? Because they didn't know any better. But the Pharisees knew about the glory. They studied the story of Hophni and Phinehas and Adam and Eve in the fall, and they know about it. But they refuse to let the glory come on the inside. They refuse to take the veil off. So you can, Moses is, or Paul is saying here that when you hear the the word of God, you can hear the word of God being preached and the veil just being right on your heart. Man, that's scary. I was like that. 14 years old. Right around that age, I began to just drift from God and fall away from the Lord and get with the wrong friends, but I was still, I had to come to church. That was the rule of the house, right? You live in my house, you're going to church. And I respect that because how can God work in your life if you're not even hearing the word? So, I mean, I'm not against that at all, but God wasn't wanting just my attendance. He was wanting my heart. And I knew all these stories. I was, like I say, eight inches away from the glory of God. I was eight inches away from the things of God. And so, it will begin, you'll start to get tired of being a hypocrite. I know I was. And I began to just go out in the world and it led me down a very dark road. But when I came to Jesus, he began to lift that veil. Let me start giving you some good news here as we start closing. I said, start closing. So God looked and he said, he said, I want my glory. And this is what Paul's talking about. We go from the outside glory of just looking good, and it faded. It wasn't what God wanted. You made it through the process, but the inside of the cup was still dirty. And so Paul is saying that as beautiful as that was, God is wanting to do something on the inside. He's wanting his glory to transform us into the image of Christ. But that sin is the problem. So what did God do? God said, i got to remove that sin because I love my people so much. And that's where we got to get to is that we don't want sin for the only reason is because we want the glory. It's okay to say, you know, uh, I need to repent of sin because I don't want to go to hell. You know, I need Jesus because I don't want to go to hell. That's a good reason. And, and that's why many of us come to the Lord first, right? Because we don't, if God said you want heaven or hell, 
I hope you would say heaven. Hello. If not, we need to have a talk. Common sense says heaven, but over a time, God is not wanting to just let us have fire insurance. He, he wants us to move from, God, I, I don't want to sin because I don't want to go to hell, to, oh, I don't want to sin because I want your glory. Because I want your glory in my life. That's like being married because I don't want to be alone when I get old. That, that, that's good. That, that may be a good But if you live your marriage for the only reason is because you don't want to be alone when you get old, your marriage is going to stink. And many of us in the church world, we serve God, and I'm just challenging us today. Let's not be the people that says, you know, I just do this because I don't want to go to hell. Now let's get to the place where we're hungry for his glory. Because, God, I want your glory to be upon my life. So when I walk into rooms, that people will sense a difference in my life. When I pray for people, and I've been praying differently. I've been praying, God, let your kingdom, as Jesus told his disciples, pray when you go out. Let the kingdom of God has come upon you. Let your glory come upon this part. Let your glory come upon my dad on the seventh floor. Let your glory come into that hospital and heal his body. Let your glory come into this room and heal every migraine, every back pain, every Every foot pain, every blood disorder. God, let it come into this room. Come on, give him praise if you agree with that today. Because we want the glory, oh God. Because you're better. One of the ways, men, we can overcome sin is to find something better than our sin. And I'm telling you, the glory is better than the sin. Why love something that don't love you back? Why love something that just gives you a temporary thrill? Like the Old Testament was temporary. It was fading. And that sin may feel good. It may look good. It may be one good night. But I'm telling you, that's why you're twice as empty the next day. You're twice as depressed the next day. You're twice as feeling empty. Why? Because you're made to hold the glory. And you're trying to fill it with everything else but the glory. It's the glory that God, his presence wants to be in you. He doesn't want a visitation, as I said. He wants a habitation. So God said, this is what I got to do. And the greatest scripture in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is what he says. So God said, I'm going to fix the sin problem. For God, it says, made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so we can become the righteous of God. Now, many of you have heard that. But now in this context, listen to what he's saying. God made Jesus who knew no sin, who was perfect, to become sin for us. Jesus was perfect, blameless, harmless, the spotted lamb on the cross, but God treated him as if he lived my life. God said, I'm going to treat my only son as if he lived the life Eddie lived. It's called the law of substitution in theology. But he don't stop there. He said, but I'm also going to take the life Jesus lived and I'm going to put it on Eddie. So when I see the cross, I see Eddie. But when I see Eddie, I see my son who's perfect and blameless in my eyes. Come on, somebody. That's the glory of the gospel. That's the glory. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation and the glory of God for those who, what? Believe. And that's what I want to end with here today, because you'll be surprised, but what restores the glory? You may say repentance. It may say holiness. No, those are byproducts. Listen, Pentecostals. This is what restores the glory. Are you ready? Believing. 
believing restores the glory. You got your Bibles open? I'm going to close for real now. This is closing number two. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul's not done. He goes down to verse 4, and he says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Why? Because the minds, the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who what? Who don't believe. Who don't believe. Why? What happens if they believe? Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. It's believing. Oh, it's about, it's about worship. Worship restores the glory, Pastor Eddie. Not if you don't believe what you're singing. It's prayer. We got to get some Holy Ghost prayer. The Pharisees could outpray any of us. But they had the dirt still on the inside of them. You need a miracle, you can put an oil, you can tell they're like an oiled up pig. You can roll them around, you can put them in holy water, you can say the cross and burn incense and all day long. That does not restore the glory of God. All of that may be good. But I'm telling you, it's believing that restores, here it is, the atmosphere for miracles. Final closing. Look at the story of Mary and Martha when Lazarus died. We've read it and preached it. I've preached it probably a dozen times. Never saw this verse. Martha had a brother that was sick. They said, Jesus, come heal him. He's your friend, by the way. And Jesus took longer to get there, so he died. When Jesus showed up, Lazarus was dead and been dead for four days. Martha said, if you would have been here a little earlier, he would have been healed. But now it's too late. I want everyone listening to me that's facing an impossible situation because this is what all this has to do with you right now. All the glory and the children of Israel and the clothes not wearing out. You may be sitting there, but I, I, got, a, I got a dad at, at the seventh floor at St. Joe's. I got, I got an, a diagnosis in my family. I got, I got a problem in my life right now. Listen, you need to put yourself into this story because this scripture applies to you. She came to Jesus. You lost all hope. And she said, Jesus, I don't even know what to do, man. We were faithful. We loved you. We believed in you. I mean, everything, but now it's too late. And what did Jesus say? I love to put it on the screen. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you would, what? You would see the what? He didn't say, oh, if you can memorize the Torah and tell me what Deuteronomy 16, 15 says. If you can tell me that every song of the lyrics, every lyrics to the song we sung, that all those are good, those are byproducts to what, why we do. This is the why. This is the glory that God, Paul is saying, I, God wants this glory. The Old Testament did all the works. They were there every church service. They drove all the way out there. They checked their kids in every single week. On time, it was very nice. They went into the stream and act like they had the Holy Ghost in them when they asked for a drink and didn't give no attitude, got a good drink. Even though it was wrong, they still didn't get ugly because they got the glory on the inside of them. They came in, they watched, and they watched the show, and they listened to the worship, and they listened to the preaching, and they got in their car, and they drove off the same as they came. God is saying, man, we got to do better than that. Paul says, God wants better for you and for me. He wants us to move from glory 
to glory. So when you come into this place, no matter how you feel, you can feel disgusted and irritated and so much going on in your life. And you come in here and you may be sitting here with a lump in your throat and so filled with pain. Your body is hurting. Your, your mind is, is condemning you, but you're still here today. Let me tell you, don't leave the way you came. How do you do it? Begin to believe the things I'm telling you today. If you believe what this preacher's saying today, the glory of God will come upon your life will come upon your life, will come upon your situation, will come upon your family in ways that you've never seen it. By believing. Hallelujah. Believing is one of those things that is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's not easy. We'll talk more later. But Martha, it was hard for her to believe looking at her dead brother. It's hard to believe. We think it's simple. Yeah, it's simple. Just believe. That's why the enemy fights our faith so much. That's why when you get that test back and after you pray and it didn't come by the way it is, what happens? What's the first thing that gets attacked? Your faith. That's why Jesus said to her, Martha, if, if you could believe, all you got to do is believe, you'll see the glory of God on your life. God set me free from drugs and alcohol because I believed somewhere in there, in my mind and heart, I had some faith. Wasn't much, but the Bible says all we need is a, a little grain of a mustard seed size of faith. And you'll be, what did he say? All things are possible to them that believe. I want our hearts to be filled with faith in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just begin to worship right now in this place. Let's just begin to worship right now. Hallelujah, Lord, we just worship you. Father, I'm asking for faith to come alive in this place today. God, let faith rise up in our hearts today. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in and God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.